thank God for this uh, blessing to be able to uh, peruse through his word and hopefully prayerfully to grow together and to be encouraged. Um, our brother uh, Pat is well. He'll be here very, very soon. Um, and we're going to, if you would allow me to pause for just a moment so that um, we can wait for him to have a moment to icy out there and slippery, so I'm glad he made it here safely and uh, didn't didn't rush. You're fast. You already going? <laughs> okay. You need a minute? Okay. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Merciful and kind God, thank you so very much for your goodness, for your compassion, kindness, and mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this opportunity to study and to serve. Bless us, Lord God, please, in our, our venture through your word that you will give us the strength and energy that we need uh, and the spirituality to grow, that we may become stronger in faith and to bring glory and honor to your name. We uh, praise your holy and divine name and thank you so very much for Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray and thank you for be thy will. Amen. All right, so we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6. And as we think about meditation and and the importance of it, uh, it's a type of release, uh, if you will, uh, for anxiety. Spiritual stability is imperative to uh, have a healthy mind. Uh, it's, you just we, we need that. We need that spiritual stability because we are. When you think about the, the body, the holistic idea of the body, you know, we're mind, body, and soul, and and we need that time. Uh, to be able to focus on the spirit uh, as well as the soul and, and not be so wrapped up in, in the world and things of that, that sort. Um, earlier in this study, uh, I brought this idea to us, to sow a thought and we reap an action, sow an action and we reap a habit, sow a habit and we reap a character. And then when we reap a character, that's when we reap heaven because that's the joy of living for Jesus, the character uh, of the mind, and that leads us into our eternal destiny, living for Jesus. When the mind is pulled in two separate directions, that's when a lot of um, anxiety, anxiety is produced in the heart. That's when a lot of trouble comes our way. I want to look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7, and um, we'll read through verse 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So, practicing things. Here we go. Practicing things that are important, or should we say, sowing things to reap them. So we're reaping spirituality if we sow spirituality. The mind is is never at rest. I mean, it's always going um, and, and moving and moving. It's constantly moving. And it, it cannot think two thoughts at the exact same time. And when we attempt to do this, well, it's not that we don't attempt to do it. When we attempt to do it, anxiety comes our way. Anxious thoughts, and it's because our brain, our minds are being pulled uh, in in two different directions. 
You know, you can't think good and evil at the same time. And so to focus on God, to sow godliness in the heart, uh, takes us away or removes us for just a moment from worldly thought or ideas, ideologies, and things that get us into lots of trouble. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, divinely, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So think about that for just a moment. We're taking every thought captive. And I'm saying to that scripture, no, I don't. Right? I mean, I need to, but wow, I, I'll be honest. I just don't have that kind of focus. And But I need that kind of focus. And that's what God is saying is that if we allow our minds to be... Um, to be fixated on, on, on negative things or worldly things and separated from spiritual things, from godliness, then we have not taken control of self, of our minds. Like Romans 6 tells us, it says to, um, you know, to take control of yourself, take control of your mind. And, and so here God is saying to take every thought captive. And that make, it makes it clearer when you think about what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 24. When Jesus is talking to us, normally we use this scripture in regards to living lives, ungodly lives and godly lives. But what about thinking about godly and ungodly lives? Matthew 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In other words, God says we have to take every thought captive and decide, make this daily constant decision as to which side of the fence we're going to be on. Either we're going to be on the fence where we're serving self or serving the world or serving evil, or we're going to be on the side of the fence where we're serving God and we're focused on the will of God. So the result of divided thinking is this. It paralyzes us. You know, I, I mean, with, with anxiety, it, it really, when, we, when we're worrying about things on this hand, and I know we do, it's just, you know, we, we, you know concern and, and we're, we're fleshly and we're, we're struggling with that. And so there's the stuff that, that exists on one hand in our lives. And then there's this, this stuff that God says, you know, let it go. I mean, for example, let the dead bury the dead. I mean, how difficult a statement, but how spiritually fixed and in tune Jesus is and was. And and he says, you know, worldly affairs, all worldly affairs, keep your mind focused on, on the spiritual. So I want us to think about Hebrews 12. Again, we've looked at that a few times in this study because it's a very important passage of Scripture when it comes to captivating the mind or capturing the mind so that we remain spiritual-minded in all things. So the focal point is important. The focus, right? So if you're in any line of, of work or, or especially athleticism, um, especially when you're dealing with, with contact sports, you got to stay focused. If you don't stay focused, you could get really, really hurt. You can already easily get hurt, but you have to stay focused, right? 
And, and so, spiritually speaking, Jesus says, in order to, to win the spiritual race, we have to stay focused to run the spiritual race and to win the race set before us. And so, verse 1 of Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So let's think about this verse for a moment. And then we'll look at verse 2 in a second. Since we have to focus, God says, okay, there's this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And then God says to lay aside every sin, everything that's holding us back, everything that's bogging us down in a spiritual way, to let it go. Every every encumbrance, everything that is keeping us from following Jesus, we have to lay it aside. And then run with endurance. Now remember what James tells us in James 1, verses, uh, well really technically 12 through, through 15, uh, through the context, actually verse 16. James tells us that the reason we fall into sin is because we're caught up in ourselves, right? The things that we desire, the things that we love the most, right? Uh, A man goes out, a man begins to lust in his heart for something or has pride over something, and his desire becomes, uh, you know, captured and captivated. He wants this thing, this object, this situation, whatever it may be, and he falls into this temptation because his love for that thing, that, that sin is so strong. And then Jesus says, no, on the other hand, what I want you to do is I want you to love me more than you love your your sin, yourself, your desires. I want you to lay aside every encumbrance. I want you to lay aside every sin. I want you to lay aside everything that is keeping you out of heaven. I want you to lay aside every encumbrance. I want you to lay aside every sin. I want you to lay aside everything that's keeping you from focusing on me. I want you to lay aside every encumbrance. I want you to lay aside every sin. I want you to lay aside everything that's causing you to worry. Okay, Jesus. An amazing standard, huh? Again, we'll read the verse. Verse 1, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What's interesting is that sin easily entangles us. That's just how much we love it. And we don't like to admit it. It's not our favorite topic. We probably don't even talk about it. Boy, let me talk to you about what I really love. The sin that I really love. In fact, we avoid that conversation. But God says, we got to confront that, right? 
And we have to learn to lay that aside because, because the sin that we really love, whatever it might be, whatever is keeping us out of heaven, and let's maybe even call it a distraction. Maybe we can call it that instead. Whatever distractions in front of me, like uh, today I go, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, today's, it's time for me to read my Bible and then, but the football game's on, you know, or am I picking on you? Okay, let's, let's do something else, uh, right? Something's distracting me. And I want to go, I want to go snow machining. I want, I want to go fishing. I want to go hiking. I want, I want to go, uh, and do some, do my hobbies. I want to do something. I want, and, and I, and I pull myself away from my spiritual time with God, my, my meditation, my, uh, my study, uh, my research, my spiritual research, whatever it is. When, when something pulls us away from God, that's what Jesus is talking about. We have to allow, take that thing, remove that thing from our lives. It's kind of like what Jesus said in Mark 9. Um, if your right hand causes you to, to stumble, to sin, cut it off, it's better than to life, you know, lame than to, than to miss heaven. If your eye, you know, what he's saying is he's saying whatever's, whatever's in your way of, of spiritual success or your spiritual relationship with God, get rid of it. Right? Set it aside. Set aside the sin that entangles us. The easy thing. The thing I love the most. Let it go and focus on Jesus. In Galatians chapter 5, the, the focus, as, as you, we look at a contrast, right? The, the list of the world from verse 16 through verse 21 is huge. I mean, it's this large list of all the stuff. All the stuff that's not just, ne- not necessarily always in our lives, but at least it's around us. It's everywhere, right? To focus on Jesus and the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, what, what a beautiful, time-consuming thing to be able to do. So just focus on that, right? To focus on this, the delivered gift of God. So listen to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But what keeps me from focusing on the fruit of the Spirit all of the time? <laughs> you know, what keeps me from focusing on Jesus all of the time? Someone says, well, you know, you're, that, that's extreme. You, you can't focus on Jesus all of the time, the fruit of the Spirit all of the time. How about my character exemplifies Jesus? All of the time, because my practice, my habitual lifestyle is living according to the fruit of the Spirit and living according to the will of the Father. How about that? Then I am fixing on, fix, fixing and focusing my mind on Jesus all of the time. I'm not asking what would Jesus do. I've already done what Jesus would do. That takes practice, right? 
it, you know, the, what we do, what we practice, what we, the way we live our lives, the way that we talk, the way that we communicate, that practice is something that must always, it has to be habitual. And it doesn't mean we're not going to sin or, or get upset or, or struggle, but it means we're going to look to Jesus immediately. And, and whatever we have to do to make it right with God or to however we need to, to uh, change or alter our mindset to fix it on Jesus, it becomes first nature, second nature, right? It becomes the who that we are. So what are we fighting? We're fighting carnality, right? We're fighting carnality. That's what's difficult. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We are fighting, trying, and, I, and by the way, let me just say this. I praise God for every child of God who really is trying to serve God, because I'm trying to. We're all working at this together, and none of us are perfect, and we're all fighting carnal minds. We're fighting carnality. And so, beginning at verse 1, uh, Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? And so there's something blocking the carnal world. There's something blocking my spiritual progress. What is it? It's not Jesus. Right? It's definitely not Jesus. So what is it? it well, it's not, it's not the Bible. It's not spirituality. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Father. It's my carnal mind. And, and the apostle says, by way of inspiration, because the church at Corinth were still living in, uh, in the flesh, they were fleshly minded and struggling with jealousy and strife and those things, it hindered or handicapped their spiritual growth. They were stuck in a carnal mind. Now here's the problem. Turn to Philippians 4. The problem is when we're stuck, when our minds are, are focused and, and spiritual progress is being hindered or blocked, we have, we find that it's difficult to be what God wants us to be with all of our mind and all of our heart and all of our soul, as Jesus said, that we're supposed to love him. Now, in addition to that, it's also difficult to do this. Verse 4, Philippians 4, to rejoice always, again, I'll say rejoice. To rejoice in the Lord. I can't rejoice in the Lord if I'm not thinking about the Lord, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Increasing our faith every single day. And not just every day, but every moment of the day. Every, every opportunity. Strive to increase your faith. That means that our faith becomes an active faith, right? Every day we're trying to progress in a spiritual way to be better than we have been in the past. To move forward in Jesus, to, 
to strive to bring glory and honor to Jesus in all that we say and do. To always think this way. I must align my life with Jesus. If it's not right, I need to get it right. It's so simple that what Jesus has given us is so simple. Um, let me explain what I mean. Let's turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. It, it, what simple is, not that that some Christians are better Christians than others. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. This is not about a competition. The process that God gave us to get right, it, all it takes is humility, right? Repentance, confession and repentance, confession and repentance, confession and repentance. Turn your life back to God. Get it right with God. Stay aligned with Jesus. And when I find myself out of alignment, confess and repent, confess and repent. Just turn it around, right? See, what God knows is that we're going to have to spend a lot of time confessing and repenting if we're trying to stay aligned with Jesus or keep our lives right with God. And God has opened up the floodgates and says, come, bring it all. I'll take all of it. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. Right? And he's not talking necessarily about those who are, who are weary because, well, I've been, I've been living for a long time and life is tough. He's not talking about that necessarily. He's talking also about becoming weary because I'm tired of sinning. You know, I'm trying to get my life right. And God says, just come on. Come bring it to me, right? Come bring it to me. I'll take it. Psalm 139, um, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I want you to think for just a moment um, about the great, righteous, and perfect man. We're going to First John chapter 1. The great, righteous, and perfect man who wrote that passage, Psalm 139. I mean, this guy was a truly spiritual-minded person who, um, you know, had very few sins. And, uh, wow, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that was David. <laughs> David. He got so out of line with Jesus. David did things that, that Christians would look at and say, wow, really? But he kept coming back to God, and God continued to welcome him. See, and so, so my point is, there's no sin too great. You know, you can't do things too often. I mean, you try not to, but you say, oh, I'm going to Jesus again. Go to Jesus. Continue to go to God. So here's what God talks about in First John chapter 1. His faithfulness. Not, not our greatness. It doesn't talk about our greatness. It doesn't talk about how good we are. It doesn't talk about how we're going to finally get it right and then we're going to walk uh, our life, walk in a way that brings glory to God all the time. And boy, these guys really have it together. That's not what First John talks about. First John talks about the faithfulness of God. So if you will, verse 9, the Bible says there, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Does God know us or what? <laughs> he knows us. We cannot say we have not sinned. God says, I'll take care of all of your sins if you'll just confess them to me. Right? Stay in repentance and prayer. 
That's all we have to do as God's people. Strive to keep our lives right with God. But when we're out of line, get back in line with God. Look at Proverbs 28. Get right back in line with God and keep that focus on the Lord. And then when we find ourselves out of line with God, get back in. You know what's amazing? What's amazing is when you read the Old Testament and we read about people who are sinning. So often, God isn't even thought of. Like David, for example, with Bathsheba. When did he think of God? He didn't. Not until Nathan the prophet came along. He had temporarily hardened his heart um, uh, so so hard that he wasn't even thinking about God. He was thinking about himself. Oh boy, I got to think of a plan to get this problem under control. Right? He didn't think about praying to God until the prophet came and said, David, do you realize what you've done? Well, he should have realized it. He did realize it, but it just shows you how easy it is to become blinded in our own ways and to not open our eyes to the truth. We do that because we're human. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Here's something that I find uh, that's interesting. Um, You know, many souls have come to Christ. Thank God for that. And God is, I'm thankful, used me as a tool to, to, you know, help in that, in that way. The, the number of people that have been baptized that I can remember, um, more often than not, when they go down into the water, it's amazing. Well, you, well, you can't, I assume you cannot hear it. Um, when they come out of the water, that sigh of relief, they go, like, like the burdens have been lifted at Calvary. We sing a song, right? When did we lose that? When did we lose that? Go to God in prayer, repent of your sins, confess it to God, finish that prayer, and then believe that truly it's over, right? When did we lose that? Sometimes I think what happens in Christ is we become so mature in our minds, right, that we forget the little things, which are, which are everything, right? The forgiveness of sins is everything. And so there is that sigh of relief, that breath of fresh air to be able, or to know rather, that God truly has forgiven and washed our sins away continually. And it's not, it's not because of me, it's because God is faithful, right? Faithful. So again, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other or hold to the one and despise the other. But no one can serve both God and man. And it's an absolute impossibility. So to get right with God means I've got to make a decision. Right? I have to make a decision. I don't have to talk to anyone else about it. I don't need a second opinion. I just need to go to God and I need to make a decision. And that decision has to be one that we uh, speak to God about, we read his word, we understand his word, and we decide to follow him for the rest of the days of our lives. And we commit and recommit and dedicate and rededicate our lives to God continually throughout the rest of our lives. There's something else. Not only to get right and, and try to stay right, but to think right. Um, so that 
those words don't just slip out that shouldn't slip out. For some Christians, it doesn't slip out. It's part of, unfortunately, uh, their common vernacular, their language. But these words shouldn't come out of our mouths. Christians should think so differently to where the world says, wow, these people think like Jesus. Right? They talk like Jesus. They act like Jesus. To live right. So we're going to get right, and we're going to think right. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to live right. We're going to think right, right? right. Live for Jesus. Am I living for Jesus? If if Jesus walked into my life uh, today, would he say, well done, ye good and faithful servant? Not at the end of my life. Not, not when I'm on my deathbed and I've... No, like right now, would God say, Tony, well done, ye good and faithful servant. Keep going. Keep going. And then he visits me next week. Will he say, well done, my good and faithful servant? You know, not at the end of our lives. What, what is our, are we living right now? Are we living correctly? Are we living lives that bring glory and honor to Jesus right now? So get right, think right, live right. Philippians 3 and verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Is there someone, this is an interesting question, is there someone that you know in Christ that you can emulate as they follow Christ? When, when someone looks at you, would they say, you know, I'm going to follow Tony as Tony follows Christ because Tony follows Christ. Or would they say, huh, I'm trying to think, now who would I, who can I follow that follows Christ? I hope, I hope and pray that that's the way we're living our lives. Not not to impress people, but to emulate Jesus Christ, our Lord. To get right, to think right, to live right. First Corinthians chapter 11, to live right. Paul, the idea, he says, you know, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, be imitators uh, of me just as I also am of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Christ. Can you imagine following the Apostle Paul (laughs) as he followed Christ? Notice he didn't take credit. He gave all the glory to God, right? We give all the glory and honor to our God to be like Jesus, to find people that are living their lives better every day for Jesus. You know what's, uh, what's, what's easiest to do? is to find someone that's kind of living like you. Right? If you're kind of mediocre or you're lukewarm, you find a lukewarm person to follow. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. right? We're all supposed to strive to be uh, spiritual-minded Christians to bring glory and honor to our God whom we serve. Let's look at Philippians uh, chapter 4 and, and verse 9 for just a moment. So the goal in our in our spiritual walk is to um, to be like Jesus, to find uh, selfishly, to selfishly be able to live our lives um, without worry. You know, like I, I don't want to be a warrior. I, I don't. I don't want to. But I know I'm a human, so I know I am going to worry. I'm not supposed to, and it's easier for some than for others. 
And I get that. I'm not, and so again, we're not making comparisons here. We're not saying, oh, well, you know, um, these folks over here really worry about COVID and these folks over here really have a lot of faith. It's not even about that. What we're trying to get to is this. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ. So this is going to be gauged on different levels, right? We're all different. We're all different. Thank God for that. Wherever you are in your Christian walk, walk. Right? Walk. Wherever you are in your Christian walk. Hey, you know, watching up, you know, our baby Elsa. You know, uh, and, um, you know, when, when, the, when the babies start walking, you know, you're, we're just so, you know, we're just, oh, are they, and you, you, you know, you follow them and you care, but they walk. And they're clumsy. And they bump into everything. And they fall down a lot. But they continue to walk. Wherever you are in your Christian faith, keep on walking. Don't stop walking. And you know what happens? You'll get better. Right? The baby gets better and better. And they no longer run around the corners. And you go, (gasps) because you know they're going to hit their head on some wall or something. They walk. And then they run, and they never look back. So walk with Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 9. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, Let your mind dwell on these things. The things you have learned, verse 9, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. Notice the peace that surpasses all comprehension in verse 7. Then there's that middle spot, verse 8, meditate on these things. And then there's verse 9, the things you have learned, and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. So finally, you got to find the right balance. The right balance, right? And really important. There, there are four, four activities, if you will, ideas in, in verse 9. It's the things you have learned and received. The second set is what you have seen and heard, or heard and seen. So there are four things with that balance that, that's important. Whatever you've learned and you've received. And so we've all learned something in, in Christ, and we've received some things in the Word of God, and for others, it, we, maybe we haven't received as much as we ought to. But whatever it is you've learned and whatever it is you've received, whatever it is that you've heard, and whatever it is that you I uh, have seen in your spiritual walk, Paul says, that's the thing you gotta do. Right? That's what you have to do. Practice it. And God will give you peace. Now, obviously, over time, we get to that point, praise God, the peace that surpasses all comprehension. But until that time, there's still this peace of God that He leaves with His children. So think about this for just a moment. We're going to go to Romans chapter chapter 2. It's one thing to learn a truth. 
but quite another to receive it, isn't it? You know, it's like, oh, I know, I know, but I don't really want. It's one thing to learn it, but it's, it's quite different to receive it. And so my encouragement as you read the Word of God is to not only receive the Word inwardly, also make it a part of your inner self. Also, uh, facts that are in the head just just aren't enough. Um, we must also have that truth in our heart, right? It doesn't need to just rattle along, rattle along in there. It needs to be implanted into, into the heart, deep into the heart. So in Paul's ministry, I'm going down to Romans chapter 2. Uh, he not only taught the Word of God, but he lived it. And you know, it's more important and more valuable to watch a person live for Jesus than to hear a person preach about Jesus, right? I mean, I want to hear you when you talk about Jesus, but if the way you're living is is converse to a lifestyle of Jesus, I'm probably not going to listen to much of what you have to say, right? So it's, it's about what you do and what you or we say. We must learn the Word of God. We must receive the Word of God. We must hear the Word of God. We must do the Word of God, and then thank God for all this knowledge that goes into our minds, because then our conscience works in a blessed way. In verse 15, Romans 2, in that they show the works of the law written in their hearts, the, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts ultimately accusing or else defending them. The conscience will convict us for wrongdoing or wrong living. And so we live, we live for Jesus. One more time, Philippians chapter 4. What about right praying? You know, praying, right thinking, right living, right. These are the conditions for having a secure mind and the victory in Jesus Christ. And the victory uh, over worry. And the the problem, again, is we forget. So we have to remind ourselves over and over and over again. These are the things I have to do. What do I have to do? Verse 9, one more time. The things you have learned and received, the things you've heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. So I ask tonight and challenge you to go back and think about all the things you learned growing up in Christ. And then ask yourself, of the things that you've learned, which of those things have you actually received implanted in your heart? And then I would ask you, to think about all the things that you've seen in people's lives and the things you've heard and which of those good things have you implanted into your heart and which of those bad things have you implanted into your heart. So tonight, in closing out this portion, we have one more lesson after this and then we're going, we're, we'll be finished. Our last lesson will be uh, open doors and we'll talk about that as part of our lesson. Noble thinking produces noble living. And high thinking produces high living. And holy thinking produces holy living. So, tonight I encourage you to live according to the rule that you found in Christ Jesus and stay true to His Word. God bless you and thank you for your time. I've given you one minute back, so uh, there you go. That means I get ten extra minutes next week. No, just kidding. God bless you. Thank you for your time.